Mark your calendars for the Mantle Ministries Roundtable discussion with Reverend Jerry Jones and Pastor Joel Urshan at this year's Kentucky District Camp Meeting. We're also pleased to announce the Mantle Conference, a conference aimed to equip the young minister. Guest speaker, Pastor Brosom. Several keynote speakers will be selected from our very own young ministers here in the Kentucky District. Listen to the Mantle podcast wherever you are. While at the gym, while cleaning, while commuting to work. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcast, and the Kentucky District app. Everybody, thank you for joining us today for the Mantle Ministries podcast. Our next guest is a youth pastor, hyphen pastor, social media, all the above, man, myth, legend, singing at our HYC coming up, or KYC for Bank of Kentucky. <laughs> uh, Section 5 youth leader. He, he attends church in Russellville, Kentucky, in the ministry of Brother Marshall and Brother Whiting. And so we're so glad to have him on. Future Aimer, we're counting down the days. Everybody help me in welcoming Brother Dawson Ham. Brother Dawson, how are you doing today? Doing well, man. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's a little rainy, awesome. and the you know, yes. the forecast very windy is... here in Russellville. Is it? Yeah. <laughs> yes, our house feels like it's about to blow apart. So, <laughs> and you're one of those people though. like um, you were telling me stuff. You were you know, handyman doing at your house, and I felt so inept. You were, oh, you were talking me through, it and I, I don't know if I could survive. I I didn't. So yeah, <laughs> it's it's been crazy, but yeah, it's there's still there's always stuff you got to do, you know. This is our second remodel home, and uh, yeah, we're we're still working on some things that we need to get done, but but it's all right. <laughs> I my brother in law built a mantle, like not like the mantle of this podcast, but like you know the other spell the other way. <laughs> yeah. And I walked in his house, and there was this brand new fireplace and like this beautiful mantle, and I was like, who who did this? He's like, I did. It. I don't know something about that <laughs> caught me so. I think I'm so I'm such a millennial. Uh, <laughs> then I was like, you you can do that, like you can. Hey. Shape wood in your wheel. Mine's right over here. I bought it off of Facebook Marketplace. So uh, <laughs> there you so go. So we're right on the same. We're we're in the same boat there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, so right off the bat, so tell me about tell me where you're going and when, how many months you have left? How many days? Yeah. So our goal is to leave sometime in March. That could be the beginning or the end. Um, in aim. Uh, you know, we work with the missionary to see when they would like us to come. So it's a three month term. Our goal is to be there. You know. Uh, sometime in, in March. So we got around three months here to go. And so we have raised a good amount. And if you're watching this and you have partnered with us and you've given, I we appreciate it beyond measure. Um, sometimes it's harder to receive than to give because you don't know what to say. But yeah, um, but we do appreciate it. But yeah, we're we're still looking to do it. Um, we have a a website set up. It's called uh, hamfamilymissions.com, and the ham has two M's in it, H-A-M-M, familymissions.com. And there we just have a little story, some pictures um, of who we are. We have two little girls. and uh, But, yeah, God's God's called us to, to go help in Cyprus with Brother and Sister Summers. And so Cyprus is kind of a hot place right now. It's right above Israel. And um, there's a lot going on over there right now, but we've been in touch with them. And they still feel that it's safe for us to go, and so we're we're still planning on it, and we're keeping our eye on everything. But but I believe God's got a plan, and so but if you do feel in your heart to give, Amen. But uh, uh, please do that and reach us somehow. But um, but yeah, we're excited to go. But Cyprus is where we'll be going. So. Awesome. We'll put the uh, the information below and and the link yeah. to your website and so on. Um, so I actually found out recently 
So your first like missionary experience, right? You went over. Mm-hmm. It was in Spain. Am I right there? Yes, sir. Barcelona, and so Spain, you yeah. you were with the BBs. Yeah, yeah, brother. So and we, I go way back with them. Now really? they were college. I hung out with their with with his uh, two younger brothers. But like small world. How was that experience? Wow. Yeah, it was crazy. Um, we found actually speaking of podcasts, we uh, brother Nathaniel Herod. Uh, Nathan Herod and um, Brother Joshua Tingley, they're both missionaries. Uh, Brother Herod is now the Europe uh, Europe Regional Director. He got voted in there, but when we were over there, he was still pastoring in Barcelona. But they started this podcast, and we were just hooked on it because we've always had that burden towards global missions, and so this was something that we could uh, could listen to, get gain experience, gain knowledge from. And they began to talk about Andorra which is just a tiny little country in between France and Spain. <clears throat> and um, they, they told us about uh, Andorra and who was, who was the pastoring there, who was being the missionaries there, and it was Brother and Sister Bibi. They'd never been on the podcast, but they had been talked about a lot. Mm-hmm. And so a few years back when we had family camp in Madisonville, um, he, they, he was there. I don't know how, but some chance they were there. And Brother Dummett and uh, Brother Howell was actually there as the representative from headquarters. And um, he introduced Brother and Sister Bibi. And so I looked at my wife. I was like, that's Brother and Sister Bibi from the podcast. And uh, she's like, no way. I said, so I got to talk to him. Well, he's in the middle of like eating ribs or something. And I'm just like, hey, my name's Dawson. I got to meet you, you know. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, oh, hey, what's up? And so he was super nice. We exchanged numbers. I felt like a superstar having a missionary's phone number. And I was like, man, this is crazy. And so we kept in touch and we told him, you know, when we had talked to Brother Marshall and Brother Whiting about our, you know, desire to go overseas and help in global missions, um, he had told us he wanted us to start off with like a, a two, three-week trip and not jump full in just yet. He wanted us to just test the waters. My wife was six months pregnant. We had a two-year-old and uh, – we went over there and we, we stayed for 16 days. And so we got to go to France. They took us to France. They took us to Spain. We were picked up in a move the mission mission vehicle, which was cool. Yeah. <laughs> and so actually they, when they got it, they took a picture like in these Andorran mount, mountains and my kids were in the car while I took that picture for them while they were standing in front of it. So it was pretty cool. But, but brother, brother, sister Bibi were incredible and, uh, they helped us so much really understanding what a missionary is and what they do. And it just helped us, uh, in an unbelievable way. And so very thankful for it. And so we came home and, uh, and we just kept seeking God's, you know, direction and, uh, yeah, and it, it kind of led us into Cyprus because of Brother Herod. We met Brother Herod there, and we, we literally contacted him and said, Brother Herod, who needs a family? Who needs a young family that can do Bible studies, music, um, can help watch kids? Whatever we need to do, we're ready to yeah. do it. And he suggested Cyprus. So we hopped on a video call just like this, and we felt the Holy Ghost in it, felt, felt confident in it. And, you know, my wife, she has lived on one road her entire life. Um, now me, on the other hand, I've moved a total of 26 times, almost 27 times. And, uh, so I've been all over, but my wife, you know, she was very, um, very reserved in certain ways, but God gave peace. And, um, Mm. and so it's been, it was a wonderful trip. It was incredible. It was our first kind of toe in the water. And yeah, from there, we're just building upon it, man. It was, it was an incredible trip. Remember we were sitting there at Olive Garden a while back, I think right after our kickoff rally. And you were trying to explain to me the, the, the 
the kind of the cultural setup of Cyprus. And I'd never heard of this. So yeah, kind of tell me, tell everybody what's, what's going on. There's like, it's separated, right? Yeah. So historians don't kill me, but uh, what I have researched and what I've been told is uh, half of the country, it's almost split in half. Um, Turkey, I'm sure it was some war of some time or some sort of conflict, but Turkey had the understanding that half of that was, was, uh, was theirs. And so what the, the term they call it is they're occupied by Turkish, you know, uh, it, mm. it's Islamic people from Turkey that are there. Now, brother Summers, he's told me, um, there's some historical sites on the other side of it that, um, is really incredible. And, um, he said, you have to have kind of a, an escort to even go over there. So he'll pay someone you know, a hundred dollars to go take him over on a little moped or in a car across the way. And he said, well, I'll keep you safe for now. So I plan on doing that. I, I don't think there's a way in, in, in this world, my wife goes, I don't think so, but, uh, who knows maybe, but, uh, so we've, we've been trying to learn a little bit of Arabic and we've learned a lot of Greek so far. And, uh, and so, so yeah, it's a different culture. It's a different climate, but, as we know, God can move in any way, and uh, yeah. they've already had success um, uh, with Muslims in that country. You know, we're monotheistic, just like they are. We yeah. believe in holiness like they do, and so there are those common grounds, and we can build off of that, and they love Scripture, and we love Scripture. We have to be a people of the Word, and so I'm excited to see what God's going to do. I know we're only there for three months, but um, I believe that we can do something impactful and help the summers there, so excited yeah, to do it it's incredible you know for us i know we don't feel young right oh, that's God. one of the par- purposes of this podcast because i mean mm-hmm. i feel you know middle-aged at this point and um when everybody that's in their 60s when they were in their late 20s mid to late 20s they felt you know middle-aged and now looking now they're like man these young people are becoming missionaries and it's like i know you're in the thick of it man you're doing it you got a family <laughs> you're, you're 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 putting yourself out there um I think it's incredible. And I you know, obviously I know that you'd want this to encourage other people. They're praying about it, they're on the fence. It is sad, you know, a lot of people lift their hands at KYCs and camps. Like you feel called to be a preacher, you feel called to do this, and then say like, you feel called to be a missionary and they lift their hands. And I just feel maybe it's just my perspective. I feel like the survival rate of those that lift their hands be missionaries, I feel yeah. like their attention's very low. Mm. Does that seem to be the I guess because the buy in is so high sometimes. Well, yeah, I think sometimes people, you can talk yourself out of it and you think it's Mm -hmm. just coincidence. I will say, though, I think what leads to success and people following through and and really getting a hold of that is having a pastor in your life that – that you can, you've allowed to speak into your life, whether that be for you or against you in some instances. You know, when I was 19, I only felt a call to preach, bro, when I was 18. I never sang on a praise team. I never – I, I was stuck in that drum. Oh, I didn't have a drum cage back then. It was raw, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, I was in drums and, you know, God called me to preach there uh, when I was 18 years old. And, you know, we went through a process and came to, to Russellville, began to youth pastor. And, um, you know, I was only 19. I was gung ho. I was ready literally to move everything ready to go. And brother Marshall's just like, you need to settle down for a moment. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm like, man, what in the world? What are you talking about? And I thank God that he yeah. was able to speak into my life. And that's always been something for my wife and I 
is we are going to listen to them because it's an extension of God's authority in your life. And if you're not, man, if you're not able to be spoken to and told no, sometimes you're not going to get there. And so, um, I, Mm. brother Marshall's, you know, motto and kind of philosophy with missions work. And he's extended that to us and it's become ours is I want to get over there and be, um, be reliable and someone that can, they can trust to go do stuff and, and learn those lessons at home where it's a little bit easier instead of overseas and you're uh, a liability (laughs) rather than reliable. And so we've taken that time and, you know, we've had, uh, we've had ups and downs when it comes to youth groups. When it, I've learned how to preach. I've carved that out. Learning how yeah. to minister, how to give a Bible study, how to pray someone through to the Holy Ghost at an altar, how to yeah. baptize someone right without <laughs> drowning. That's a yeah. big thing. You know yeah. that. I think you should probably just dedicate a whole podcast on how to baptize someone. <laughs> Maybe Man, we first, can have was, a little. It was like Shamu at Fruit at, uh, at Sea World when I first baptized oh. somebody. He was yeah. six foot five, and uh, <laughs> I put him in too small of a robe almost. We, I'm barely by the grace of God, and uh, man, I dunked that man so hard. The water went everywhere, but oh, he was yes. fully submerged. Bless God, that man was baptized. Right. Oh man, That's... I remember I clipped the live stream, and I was going frame by frame, making sure every morsel of their body went under yeah. that water, <laughs> and reviewing it, reviewing it, stressing out about it, not being able to sleep. I'm like, brother Marshall, I got him all the way down. Didn't he's like, listen, I would have told you to put him down again if he did. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's part of. That's part of being a young minister, right? Yeah. That's part of you you need to learn those lessons and you have to have a pastor that you give that liberty to speak into your life like that. Cuz if you don't, man, you you're doing your own show. And uh yeah. and so to go back to your question though, those people that raise their hands, you know, they need to go and confirm that with their pastor, you yeah. know. And brother Marshall and brother Wadding have told me, "Hey, if we ever felt that God, this wasn't the 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 pull towards your guys guys's life. We would we would say something, and I've told them we would honor it a hundred percent. And so, mm-hmm. but God's opened doors. You know, um, He's they've seen our faithfulness in the local church. I'd say that to anybody. If you're lo- if you're interested in uh, missions or if you're interested in uh, being an evangelist, whatever it is, God, you you feel that call. You need to consecrate yourself. And die out to what you think needs to happen and get in a prayer closet, fast a little bit, and, and let God lead and direct you and then let your pastor speak you through that process. And get involved in your local church. I've seen, bro, I know people personally um, that feel called to missions, but they don't do anything at their church. They're not involved. They're not plugged in. And I'm right. like... Uh, man, you're gonna you're gonna be hard pressed to be used overseas if you can't be used in in your local town there. So you got to be a soul winner, man. That's what it's all yeah. about. You gotta you gotta get involved. And so so yeah, I think having a pastor's authority and covering, you know, uh, we've had we've had some scary situations overseas already. And I was th- I thank God for uh, a pastor's covering in those moments. You need it. And so, so yeah, yeah, a pastor's covering. I think that's the biggest thing for someone to, for, for that retention rate to, to build up a little bit. Yeah. You mentioned it too. I was thinking it before you got to it about, um, being involved in your home church before you go yeah. to the missions field. Um, 100%. I just, you know, I've had people in, in youth groups. I've had people that high uh, and and I, I think we do this in a lot of areas of life. If I can go somewhere else, I'll become someone else. Oh, yeah. And it's such a trap. And we feel, you know, it's like I will transform. 
I get that new relationship, I'll be better. I'll get that new job. And you're the same. Like, and people think it too, like when I get married, like I'll be, I'll be different. Like, actually, mm-hmm. you're the same person. The only change is you're now married. Mm-hmm. Like you're, you're the same person as a missionary. So I think mm-hmm. you said that, that perfectly. Um, Cause you think the culture, I mean, you, you know, more than anyone, you're going to know then even more than anyone, the cultural things that you don't expect how to approach mm-hmm. people. Um, just what is taboo? What's not like if, if yeah. walking up to somebody in a mall to invite them here is awkward. Imagine doing it in an open-air market in a country you don't even speak the language, you know? Exactly. Yeah, there's so many cultural aspects. Um, I remember when we, when we went to Spain. Here in Kentucky, it's pretty customary. You go have dinner. You're staying for two, three hours afterwards, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, you're... Yeah. You're staying there for a long time, and then you talk in the park or you talk in the driveway, and then you roll the window down and say something else. Well, there they told us like, "Hey, it's it's kind of a eat and go sort of deal. <laughs> like they want their personal time. So it's just a different culture. And so, yeah, uh, you know, allowing a, a a pastor to speak into your life before you get there, but also while you're on the field, let that missionary guide you. Don't think that you have all the answers. Don't come in there with some. I'm not saying that God can't use you to change some things, but you got to don't don't be so naive that you're going to come in there in three months and change this whole place. But bless God. Right. Yeah. They've been working. You you partner in tandem with them. You don't come Mm -hmm. in and try to change their whole system. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that we you know, well, that works in Kentucky. Well, it doesn't work here. And there's you got to you got to know that. So I think that's a big thing, too. You got to know the culture and you learn that through experiences, but also um, through the missionary leading and guiding you, you know. Yeah. Who yeah. were the uh, the mantle, the, the theme of this podcast, the mantle mm-hmm. that Elijah and Elisha shared? Right. Yeah. And I, I do think and I, I'm beating a dead horse at this point. Uh, at the time of this recording, we're so many episodes in. By the time this airs, we'll be even more episodes in. Yeah. So people are like, man, he keeps beating the, this this idea that the story is not just about Elisha receiving and following. It's the willingness and the faith of the older minister, uh, Elijah, in the midst of fire falling from heaven, a drought, yeah. Jezebel trying to kill him. He wants to die in the wilderness. There's a still small voice in the cave of the Lord saying, I'm out in the fire. And yeah. God's like, listen, why are you here? He says, why are you here? And they ultimately says, go and anoint a young man named Elisha. And mm-hmm. I think that we think sometimes, well, this is God telling Elijah he's done. Like, you're broken. I know we're not going to transition. But I feel like this was God helping Elijah in the prime of his ministry. Here's what can get you out of this rut. Invest in somebody. And so when someone invests in you and I, it's a big deal. Like, we yeah. we take it for granted. But if, if someone that's in the prime of their ministry, ups and downs, struggles to understand, when they invest in us, it's a special thing. Who were the Elijahs in your life? Like, who exposed yeah. you? Who, who opened up this burden? Yeah, man. I um, I think back to, you know, just growing up in an apostolic Pentecostal home. I'm so blessed. I mean, you meet yeah. people who don't even know what that means, what that sentence is. They think that's a foreign language. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I think to my, my dad, he was such an influence on my life. Still is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I talk to him every day. And, um, you know when I was around 16 years old, I just got this burden to understand why we do what we do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I had played drums since I was 12 in services, but I, I, you know, you hear the preacher talk about oneness and the Holy ghost and baptism enough. You're like, I get it, but what are you talking about? What is that exactly? And so 
I remember so many times just digging into the Word of God. I have no clue what I'm doing. Just a blind person, you know, going mm-hmm. through. And I'd run into the living room. Dad, what does this mean? He'd explain it to me. Run back to my room, start reading again. Dad, mm-hmm. what in the world is this? And him just continually uh, putting that into me and understanding and a knowledge. And my parents, uh, you know, in both of their families, uh, people had fallen away uh, from the truth and, you know, that are still, that we're still praying for. Um, but they always stayed. They always were faithful to the house of God. They were always faithful to the truth. And, and I thank God for that. But they were soul winners too. Um, I can remember so many times when they would take the new the new person that came to church out to dinner and begin to explain to them what's going on, what the Holy Ghost is. And so mm-hmm. I heard him articulate the word, not from just a pulpit, but also a dinner table. And um, mm-hmm. and that carried over, you know, when I went to college uh, uh, in Lexington, um, Brother Gillum in Versailles, Kentucky, Brother Terry Gillum, incredible man of God, I love him dearly. Um, and they had missions work experience. God had ex- exposed him to that. And so that was a big help to us. And I was only there for a short amount of time, but I will say probably the most, um, the biggest figure that's spoken in my life the most has been Brother Marshall for sure. Um, yeah. I think it's just because when I was with him was when I felt called to, to preach in ministry and I was seeking after those times. So I know there's been so many in my life that have contributed to us and to me, but, um, but brother Marshall, man, uh, he's been, uh, you know, he's been teaching Bible studies before it was cool. You know, he, before it was a uh, pamphlet, you can exactly <laughs> before it was a whole social media thing, uh-huh. which I thank God that it's, it's more widespread and people are teaching it, but yeah, he's been, he, he's, he's taught me to have a burden for people to have a burden for soul winning for Bible studies. Um, inscription. So you were saying the yeah, so I came in, he invited me to Bible study, and there was a group of people, and uh, there was probably four or five people that he was giving a Bible study to that day, <clears throat> and uh, he um, he he kind of, we all sat down, we had our Bibles, I'm ready to go, I'm like, let's do this, let's dig into the Word, <laughs> and I remember him just taking like 20 minutes, man, to talk about everybody's lives, and ask how your sister's doing, how's your grandma doing, and I'm sitting here like, Come on, man. Let's get this going. <laughs> yeah. And what he taught me, though, because the Holy Ghost kind of checked me, and I was just like, this is part of it. You know, yeah. it's not just learning about theology. Yeah, that's part of it, of course. We need to learn and articulate our faith. But it's also um, it's also investing in those people and genuinely loving someone. Yeah. And so he taught us that. And, and, and just through Bible studies, you know, right now my wife and I, uh, we're, we're teaching about eight people a week right now in Bible study. And so it, it, it gets a little, uh, hectic sometimes, but it, man, yeah. it's, it becomes your purpose. It's like, man, this is what it's about, you know? And sometimes you got to buy a coffee. Sometimes you got to buy a lunch or two, but, but that's all right because, uh, the end outcome is, is incredible. So brother Marshall, he's an incredible preacher. He shared notes with me. He's told me, you know, how he sets up, how he does things. And he's been so open and so honest with me and, you know, seeing also the process, I kind of have a funny story. I remember as a youth pastor, I turned in fundraising money for the first time. <laughs> and man, I didn't, I was like 19 years old. I didn't have, I wasn't even used to touching cash. I had no money at all. Yeah. And <laughs> I handed him this wad of cash and he was like, Dawson, no. <laughs> he said, you never give me money again unless it is from greatest to least and every bill is facing the same way. And it's in an envelope and 
you know, and it was a teaching moment. He didn't say wow, that yeah. spite or nothing, but it was in yeah. love because I didn't know. And he said, and you turned it into the secretary. You don't have to bring it onto my desk. You can turn it into sister Connie. She'll take care of that. He's like, thank you. And I was like, okay. And, you know, and, uh, <laughs> And, and literally, when we first started youth pastoring, we, we would provide itineraries of what we were going to do for the night because he wanted us to do he wanted us to to be structured. He wanted us to be uh, do things the right way. You know, yeah. he he's always told us, you know, he's he's all about the flow of the spirit in, in a service. We can plan it. We can you know, we have pre-service prayer. We have a schedule sent out every week. But at the end of the day, God's going to have his way. And so mm-hmm. um, so it's always been something uh, that he's invested us in. We have monthly classes for young ministers, um, and he invests in us. And, and so, yeah, brother Marshall's definitely that leading voice in my life. He's just taught us how to have a burden and, uh, how to prioritize soul winning in our ministry. So, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'm sure everybody out there that's teaching Bible studies is, you know, you just learn stuff. You, you learn things that you didn't anticipate. Um, First off, when they ask you for a Bible study, that feels great. Like, whoa, yes. wait a second. I didn't even have to track you down. I didn't have to follow mm-hmm. up a couple of times. Um, and uh, I don't. I, I discovered very quickly, you know, and I love the pamphlets. I love prepared Bible yes. studies. I'm not saying you shouldn't use them. Uh, not at all. But I, I caught myself. And it's the relational aspect that, that you were mentioning, you know, talking about their family, talking about the weather like they're still people like you could have sent them the pamphlet and not met them if we were just going to go just verbatim 100%. just right here why even meet why even spend the gas money and i caught myself too just having to be sensitive to the spirit because i mean one time i was talking about faith i was like you gotta have faith and and this is why you gotta get baptized and i realized that the person i was speaking to had a history of christianity and their idea of faith was totally different than my idea of faith and so i just assumed that the word faith we were saying the same thing and then I jump straight to obedience. And they're like, well, what does yeah. faith have to do with obedience? And I was like, oh, whoa. So I learned very quickly. I was like, okay, Man. James says faith that works is dead. The word Shema in the Bible, hear, to hear the Lord, it means to, to perceive and to obey. So God was yeah. saying, if you want, you want to hear me, you just don't perceive it, you obey. I started realizing I've got to learn how to define these terms in a biblical yes. way for people because they're coming in with different ideas and and if I would have just said we're staying within the margins of this page and not sensitive to where people are coming from, some people, they have no background, and they're like, tell me exactly what I need to know, and I'll, I'm, I'm ready to go. But some people, you got to be sensitive, right? Uh, where are Absolutely. they coming from? Yeah, it's so true, man. I know it's all, there's always like, man, there's always two or three points in a Bible study that I feel like, because usually how I do it, we try to keep it to about an hour. I don't want (laughs) to give them everything to where they feel like they don't need to come back or you go too quick and it's just like they're, they're just glossed over. But I feel like there's always a couple moments of just that ministering time where people are crying people and you stop and have prayer. Like in the same way as in a, in a church service, we have our outline, but at the same time, we want God to do what God needs to do in that, in that, that situation, you know, yeah. Um, the last couple of Bible studies that we've, we've started with some families at the church. Um, I told him, I said, you know, in prayer, I feel like God's given me three goals for this Bible study. One is that every single one of you would be baptized in Jesus name and filled with the Holy ghost, of course. And then I said, and then on from that is too, that we would have that relationship and we would build that friendship together and that bond where you can call me up when you need something. You know, if you need to talk, yeah. I'm here. I, I got an ear for you. And and I said, number three 
is that you feel empowered enough to go be a soul winner yourself. I said mm. the whole point of church, <laughs> I said this last night in a Bible study with, with a couple guys. I said, you know, the world calls it a couch potato. I said, but there's also such thing as a pew potato yeah. where someone can come in and they're filled with the Holy Ghost and they have so much untapped power in them, but they don't touch it. And they sit on a pew and they're looking at their what? Yeah, okay, let's go to mm-hmm. Captain D's. Let's go to whatever it is. And uh, I said, that's not God's will for your life. That's not why he's, he's calling you in this. Because there's people that you're going to reach with your testimony I could have never reached. Right. You know, we're teaching a, a Hispanic uh, family right now, a Bible study, and we've gone through some for some language barrier. They're, they're, actually, their daughter has been helping us a lot and, and the mom there. And, uh, you know, and I told him, I said, there's going to be people that come into this church. I can't reach them because I don't know that culture. I don't know that. And I said, that's where God's going to use you. And they've already brought two people into the house of God. And we wow. baptized them in Jesus' name just this past last Sunday. And so... Uh, so Bible study, I think is just so important. You know, we've heard it so many times, man, through growing up at conferences and everything else that the pulpit is the smallest part of your ministry. And I always thought like, man, how is that? What does that mean? And Mm -hmm. when you realize that, like, man, there's a lot outside of that, that's what people see. Um, but outside of that's what's, that's what God sees. And that's what God, um, really, really blesses in my opinion. And I think it changes the way you preach and the way you approach the the pulpit, the more time you clock in sitting across the table with someone, you know, you, you, I don't know if you were, you're speaking to this, but my brain hit this when you're saying it, when you, when you're sitting down across from table, you're teaching a Bible study, you start seeing the lost, the unsaved more as people again. It said this, this. This this movement of people in the darkness without faces and names, so and then you see them, you're like, there's personality, there's there's habits, there's preferences, and it does change how I've noticed it changes how I, I I approach preaching. I remember I preached one time, and someone mentioned to a family member that was present, they said, hey, he's saying the stories as if everybody doesn't know the story of like Moses mm-hmm. or so on, and he laughed as if that was like a critique of against me, and and the person that was speaking is like, well, you know, because most people don't. And like even your young people, they've never read it, but they've been raised That's in right. it. And so, That's of course, so new, if I'm preaching in a way where it's all, I'm just banking everything upon the assumptions of the church. Like the mm-hmm. sermon's got to hit the new, the old. It's got to hit the the saved or the unsaved, the one that needs to be redeemed or sanctified. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? You gotta, It's got to be approachable. And it, no easier way than just saying exactly what the story is, exactly yeah. where the verse comes from, than just saying, you know, assuming they're Pentecostal. So true. Well, I think uh, it helps you have a stronger walk with God, and it makes uh, life like exciting when you are going out there and pursuing people and loving people and so on. You know, we've heard Acts two thirty eight preached every which way up and down through yeah. you know twenty five years of living for me. I mean, but it hits a little bit different when you you've brought a family. Uh, mm-hmm. that you went at, met at Walmart into church for the first time. And you're like, preacher, yeah. preach that Acts 2.38 because they need to hear it. So yeah. it's it's not that we don't need to be ministered to. Yes, we need to be ministered to. But I think there does come a time, and I think it's worth talking about, that you do graduate from just sobbing at the altars every service for years and years, and then you turn around and start laying hands on people. Yeah. You know what I mean? There has to be that graduation. I remember it hit me so strong. It was in the church I grew up in. Mm. Um, I got asked to preach a youth rally there. It's been a it's been a few years now, but 
And I remember going back, man, and at altar call, I saw the same girl go up there and she was just wailing, crying. And it was, I saw her when I was here back, you know, 10 years ago. And it just goes to show like, I mean, there does need, need to be that time where we graduate from, yes, there needs a time to mourn. There's a time that we need to get it all out, but there needs to be time where you sacrifice that at home as well. So you can come to the church and be ready to minister, you know, and right. that's so important. And me and me and my buddy, Jonathan Houchins, we talk about that all the time where you can only pour out what you put in. And so right. if you have that prayer life, you have that devotional life, you have that fasting and consecration, you can pour out more and you're not going right. to get burned out as a minister, you know? And, right. uh, yeah, I've even heard it said from incredible Bible study teachers over the years that it even helps you in your walk with God. When someone is is looking at you as their example, yeah. you it's like, oh, it's kind of like having a kid for the first time, right? Yeah. You yeah. start realizing, man, they're starting to echo what I'm saying. And mm-hmm. it's like, oh, man, i got to be careful of what I'm doing, how I'm doing that. And it's the same way with, with, uh, with teaching Bible stories or making disciples. You are... You are trying to to mold these people just like you've been molded in the same right. way, and so of course I'm not equating them to our children or anything. I'm no, just saying I that there it. is a way where people, there is a time where they're looking to us, and uh, it helps our walk as well. You know. Yeah, you, you feel accountable in a in a good way. It's positive reinforcement. It's I mean I've mentioned every podcast this far because it's, it's come to that point. Paul says, imitate me as I imitate Christ. That idea of imitation, the English idea of imitation is so tainted, you know, faking it or just it being about. But the biblical idea of imitation is I'm going to walk a little bit before you and I'm going to do my very best. And if if you step where I step, then you're going to get closer to to Jesus. And I think that should should not be something that we try to run from. It's a very heavy burden, but something we've got to embrace. You know, you mentioned laying hands on people and and I'm not saying that everybody needs to, to palm someone's forehead. Yeah. And a lot of times people don't understand why you even want to touch them. You know, you can talk mm-hmm. to people. Like, hey, right. it's okay if I pray for you. In the Bible, exactly. they laid hands on them. I know it's your first time ever walking in this church, but I yeah. think God's going to touch your life. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we're like, bah, bah, bah. and they, they have yes. no idea. That's how you get sued, people. So like, <laughs> you've got to talk to them. Use yes. words. They're, you're so you're sovereign. And, and mm-hmm. I remember a couple of times, especially when you're a young preacher, you'll see people like, hey, you. You go lay hands on them. Yeah. But then I, I walk up sometimes and I'll see someone else that is praying for them. Mm-hmm. And they think that I need to replace them, that now they step away and I pray for them. And sometimes I think the faith that people have in their ministry, it's very powerful and there's authority there for sure. Sometimes there's a, a visiting lady and there's a sister praying for her. And I know mm-hmm. she's not going to receive it from me the way she receives it from you, sis. So like, don't be afraid or don't think that you can't do it as well as me. And I think when the body feels empowered, mm-hmm. like you said, there's some people I can't win. There's some people that are going that's to right. repent more comfortably whenever I'm not speaking to them, but a voice that's familiar is. That's I think right. ministry has to be relational, right? Absolutely, 100%. Yeah, I think there's always those times when we're standing at an altar. Like for me, I sing in our praise team, so there's a lot of times I'm, I can see the full panorama view and I'm like, yeah. man, that person needs someone to touch that person. <laughs> and I'm yeah. like, man, there's a lot here. And there are yeah. some times where I lay that mic down and I go pray for someone. Yeah. But, uh, but there's something uh, incredible when, um, you know, I remember a story, uh, he doesn't go here anymore. He moved, he's in the military, brother Resendez, uh, loved him. He's such a good friend of mine. And I remember one time in the middle of service, man, he just went over, it was kind of in the middle of an altar call 
and there was a there was a lady there that she needed the Holy Ghost, and God was moving on her, and he just stepped out of his seat. He went, you know, three aisles over and just laid his hands on her, and the Holy Ghost just fell all over her, and the whole yeah. place just broke open after that. So there's definitely times, but this goes back to having that altar at your home. You have to be led and be sensitive yeah. to that, you know, because— uh, I don't know. That's that, that's a whole topic too. But you know, that's something that I've got from Brother Marshall. He's an altar worker. You know, he knows how to get in there and talk to someone and lay hands on them and keep it fifteen seconds or less. I think we've all seen it. Yeah. Probably at our youth rallies or something where somebody in their ear while they're trying to pray, and I'm like, man, they there's no chance in the world they're getting all because you know, right. there's nothing wrong with going to someone at the altar and walking through them through repentance right there. Yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with with talking with them, telling them to lift their head, head telling them to to open it up and yeah. stopping them when when they've maybe gone and there's nothing that's happened. Hey, hey, is there something is there something going on? What do you think it is, you know? And they might tell you right then and then you go right back into it, you know? And so there's nothing wrong with that. And sometimes it does take a Bible study for someone to understand it. I've seen right. that many times. Um one of the we won a lady to the Lord. She was she was an elder and she was Catholic her whole life, man, and she didn't understand the Holy Ghost. She didn't understand how you could respond like that cuz mm-hmm. you know, in Catholicism they're very uh, very, you know, timid in the way that they worship and things like that. So she didn't, she couldn't correlate it. And man, it took like 12 weeks of Bible study. But then after that, she walked up to the front there and just raised her hands and God filled her with the Holy Ghost. And we baptized her in Jesus name. So sometimes it happens in five seconds. Sometimes it needs a Bible study and that's okay. God, God knows that. And, right. uh, we were talking about Abraham last night in our Bible study and I told him, you know, it's chapter 12 where God calls him to the next, you know, calls him to a, to a land that he's called him to and to gather his family. But it's not till 10 chapters later that he actually gets his name changed and the covenant established. I said, there's mm-hmm. a process It sometimes it takes that. I mean, they, they prayed for 10 days in the upper room. <laughs> right. And so if it doesn't happen immediately, that's okay. You can keep going. You can keep seeking brother Marshall's. He's told me before he's had an elder, uh, before they've passed away now that he was 90 years old, bro. And he, he said, brother, he called brother Marshall, like in the middle of the night and said, I just got the Holy ghost. Listen, he put it on speakerphone, put it down, <laughs> lifted his hands, began to speak in tongues. And brother wow. Marshall's sitting there in bed like, yeah, yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. And so man, God works in whatever way he wants to, you know, yeah. the Bible does not contain God. It reveals him. And so he mm. can work those things in incredible ways, but we don't need to put a box around God, you know? Right. And so. He can do he can do anything. <laughs> and that's the, the, the people aspect in this. Like you notice when people are approaching Jesus, the rich, the rich young ruler, sell all that you have and follow me. He didn't tell everybody to do that. He told one person, hey, don't, I'm going to go bury my father. He said, no, come with me. Mm. And though I'm not saying that there's multiple ways to approach salvation, straight is the gate and there is the way, you know, Absolutely. there's one way to the father. But the prerequisites of, of sometimes there's certain things we have to get past in, in the process of repentance, the process of willingness that gets us yeah. to that one clear door where yeah. we have to walk through. And and that's where you come with people, right? Maybe someone's not used to even talking to God at all. So it takes longer. Maybe somebody right. comes from a gospel kind of, you know, maybe not filled with the Holy Ghost, but they've been to a church that worships more demonstratively and they're ready to do it. And you just have so to, true. I got to be sensitive to my spirit and sensitive to his spirit and sensitive to their spirit, yeah. you know? 
They can't, they, you don't want to compare one person's right. journey with another. I've, I've seen it written in, in different books about altar working that it's, there's a few reasons someone doesn't receive the Holy ghost and it's a lack of faith, a lack of response, um, a lack of repentance. And, uh, I think it was a lack of focus. You know, there's mm. some times where, man, you're not going to get the Holy ghost unless you're, you're speaking, unless you're talking, yes, unless you're, yes. you know what I mean? Uh, there are certain cases, man, I've seen it where God just does it where we didn't even have to lay hands on him, you know? Right. I remember just a couple of months ago, we had someone that visited our church. Man, he's filled with the Holy Ghost like our second song of the set. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, that's incredible. No one laid hands on him. Nothing did. Nobody did that. It's kind of like when Peter preached to the house of Cornelius, it fell while they while he was preaching, you know? So right. there's different there's different ways of doing it. But, but you know, getting back to just the whole mantle you know, and young ministers and people that are seeking after it, you, it, it is about soul winning. Don't seek a pulpit, seek a soul, you know, that yeah. will come, man. It, the pulpit's going to come, you know, I would get so nervous, man, when I would preach and I still get nervous. Of course, I think, I think nervousness shows that you care in certain areas yeah. and it pushes us to, to, to do better. But, but even with preaching, man, man, the type of preaching that I think really affects people we can have our introductions, three points and a conclusion all day, but it's when you get it into your heart and not how good you Googled, but how, <laughs> how deep you got in the spirit, you know what right, I mean? Right. And right. that type of preaching, man, is going to reach people. And I think that comes from a life that's lived mm. seeking after somebody, you know? Right. But, I, you know, I think about, I, I won't say exactly what I, I pray the same prayer, not, not, not a liturgy, not, not a, yeah. not, you know, but I pray the same prayer for I preach. And it's always around the idea that God, I know you moved upon the Isaiah's and the David's you weren't in them, but you moved upon them. And I know now that you're in me, you're moving in me. You can move through me. Like you move through Peter and Paul There's an even greater level of, of intimacy and empowerment. And I always think about the idea that, God robed himself in flesh. The word was made manifest. The word that breathed its wisdom upon the page is the same word spirit that fills us. So the spirit in us is reaching upon what he expressed on the page to make us live what is on the page, to make it alive. So when I speak to him about the word, the spirit is making it living and breathing environment. That's why people without the spirit can't see the word that Paul says that. He said, by his spirit, we understand his mind because Mm -hmm. the spirit that rode is the spirit that breathes in us. And I, I pray... Lord, I know that you were the word made flesh, and I know you gave me the spirit so that the word could be in my flesh. I'm not the only begotten son of God, but now you've made me, as the Bible says, a sibling in that sense. You're the firstborn of many brethren. So when I go preach this sermon, I can't have it just on me. You've made the word come in me. It's written upon my heart, and there's a difference, and everybody feels it. If the word's on me or the word's in me, and that's people's life are changed. Oh, man, 100%. Well, I think... Man, it you don't we've heard it. I mean, I heard Brother Mark Brown say one time, cliche is just truth gone viral. It's not that it's not true, but uh it you don't study to preach. You study to know him. Yes. And preaching is just the overflow. Yes. And yes. when we get into him, I man, I heard uh I heard a preacher say this the other day. I don't know about you. I listen to preaching all the time. That's just what I I don't know. If I clean yeah. my wife coerces me into cleaning the house or something. Yeah. I just put on a podcast and I go, but, yeah. uh, or a sermon. But I heard him say, you know, he's an evangelist who travels around the country. He's like, you know, I don't have, he said, I didn't come from, 
from a Pentecostal heritage. I don't have the special potion. I don't know. He said, all I know how to do is die. Mm. And I was like, man, <laughs> I'm speaking in tongues on vacuum and, you know, and I'm yeah. just like, man, that is powerful because it is so true. The more we can get out of the way, I, I understand God uses our, our personalities and our unique abilities and things like that. But at the end of the day, my words aren't going to change anything. As great as a preacher right. as you are, your words can't change anyone. It's right. God's word. That's the only right. thing that can do it. It's right. God's word that comes in and circumcises that without hands, the heart. Mm. And, uh, you know, that's what God can do. And, and so it's just the more that we can die out to our fleshly desires and allow him to show through a little bit more. I think that's when preaching gets incredible. <laughs> and, said, go ahead. Go ahead. I want to catch no, you no, no. I was just going to say, I, there's been a few times in my life where, um, there was a lady, her name was Sister Anderson. She was a missionary to Portugal. And she came in, and I lo love her to death. She's a great lady. We talked to her. Um, but sh she wasn't, you know, she wasn't a Jerry Jones, you know. Mm -hmm. She wasn't getting there and just preaching the paint off the walls. Bro, she literally came in there. She gave a word. She gave a scripture and expounded. Gave a scripture, expounded. And the Holy Ghost flattened that place, bro. Mm -hmm. And because you know she was a woman of prayer, yeah, you know, she's been out on the missions field. She was a single lady. She didn't have a husband. She's been out there vacuuming the church for three or four people to come. She's been vacuuming. Mm -hmm. She's been, you know, there's just an anointing that's built that's built in that. And when she preached, bro, just the first praise the Lord, I'm just like chills all over. I'm like, oh my goodness, this place is about to explode. And bro, she didn't, she probably didn't get as loud as we're talking on this podcast. And God moved so mightily because of her anointing. Right. Um, you were, you were saying, something uh you, you triggers in my brain about it's god's words it's not our words yeah and even like i pray lord guide my tone my cadence my sense of exactly. my personality my sense of humor sometimes it's a tool to be used but i don't want to be yeah. too much of me like exactly. i want you to shape everything just i mm -hmm. i really want to i know you're going to honor my preparation so i'm not mm -hmm. going to you know th unless you say throw it like i know you you honor prep but lord let it be vibrant and organic in this moment and I, I, I faced something very early on because, you know, when you first start getting thoughts, I was at the stage where I was finding more sermons than I was finding more bread. I was finding more mm -hmm. thoughts than I was finding manna in my life. Yeah. And I felt very territorial over the, the sermon thoughts, the ideas. Mm -hmm. I was like, I only got three of them. So if I use one today in prayer service, I won't have nothing to do for the five minutes of fire. <laughs> yeah. And then it switched. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? If I pray every day, read my Bible every day. There's a lot more that came from. And matter of fact, if I make it more about finding him first, when he unravels me and explains me and fixes me, it's going to help me explain it better and, and deeper. And it's going to grow that ministry as a symptom. And I think, and I want you to speak to this. I think sometimes there's a danger, especially as a, as a preacher. It's not your thought. Like I remember during COVID. So COVID happened. We had to, nobody was in the audience. Okay. And I remember I was going to preach the, 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 the first camera service, okay? Mm. And even I had a series of those because everybody was trying to get comfortable with the camera, and I wasn't too worried about it. And I just – I remember thinking, you've got good sermons. You're, you're in the middle of it to really just starting out. You should save them from people come back. And I tell you what, I was like, I am not doing that. This is not my word. It's his word. I am not waiting for a better moment. It's his truth. Like who yeah. am I to say I'm going to wait on it? Yeah, so true. I even think too, you know, we listen to these podcasts. Thank God there's so many there's so much apostolic content out there. It's incredible. Yeah. But you hear that 
And I remember, so this was actually one of the first youth rallies I ever preached. Um, and I, I kept prefacing every single thought I had with, oh, this is where it got. I was like citing my sources in my <laughs> sermon. Yeah. And, you know, MLA format, like I didn't want to get copyrighted or something. Yeah. And there's no copyright laws in the kingdom of God. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. You know, uh, we're all a combination of the men that's poured into us and the women right. of God that's poured into us. So. There's no thought that doesn't belong to God. It's the same right. way nothing's new under the sun, right? right. But I just remember in that uh, that youth rally, a man of God that I respected very greatly, he came up to me and he was like, you know, son, uh, stop prefacing every thought you have. You don't have to tell people where you get it from. Preach that thing that God yeah. gave it, like God gave it to you in a prayer room. It may not have yeah. been, but he gave it to someone in a prayer room yeah. and you can <laughs> use that, you know. it's It's the same way. God had Paul write these letters to these churches so that they would learn these lessons that Paul had learned, and they don't have to go through that. You know? Right, right. It, it's the same thing. So, yeah, we can learn lessons through experience, but I think God wants to speed up that process sometimes, and he wants us to – you can be a better preacher. For an incredible example, Brother Raymond Woodward. Have you ever been mm -hmm. on his website? He yeah. has every single, almost everything he's ever done and the way he does his notes. All the, yeah. I learned holiness. I taught holiness to our youth from his stuff. Right. And I was like, why? He's already compiled it. Who am I yeah. to think that I'm better, you know? And so I think we get that it's, we're not God. We can't create this stuff. It's just, we have to find it. And so, so yeah, I think that's a great point though, about like trying to save stuff. Yeah. I think it's another uh, principle in the kingdom of, Seek ye first the, the kingdom of God, and then these things shall be added unto you. Take care of his people and his 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 business. He's going to give you more sermons. He's going to give us more yeah. things. Because I know how it is, bro. You carve something out, and you're like, uh -huh. that took me six months. I don't know how in the world I'm going to, you know. And right. Like, I'm a songwriter. I love writing songs. Sometimes you write a chorus, and then six months later comes a verse. And, and you just got to get to the point where it's, God, it's always been yours, you know? Yeah, <laughs> But that's exactly. that's a great thing to talk about it because that's a huge thing that everybody, I think, faces when they start, first start preaching. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know I've had situations where I'll go preach out and someone will say, hey, I heard that on, on the live stream at your at your mm -hmm. church or something. And it's like, they're like, yeah, like, oh, I heard it on the live stream. Yeah. And I was like, well, God forbid I, I preach something that God told me to <laughs> preach more than once. Like, what are you yes. talking about? Oh, man. Like, what are you, well, we're playing for keeps here. Like, yeah. be, like, being fresh is not the same as being sensitive and obedient to God. Like, I'm not mm -hmm. doing it to have the most recent, like, I, I think you should have fresh bread, fresh manna. You should never just let it grow stale in any way. But if God yeah. says, preach this here, and I know you preached it two years ago here, like, who am I to say, well, somebody in that crowd, like, heard it before. So, God, we got to change it up. What are we talking about? Yeah. Oh, it's so true, man. Uh, two things I was going to say about that. Um, Brother Jerry Jones, he used to come and preach for us almost every year. Uh, usually, Brother Marshall would sneak him away when he would preach conferences or something. He'd come yeah. to Russellville. But, uh he told us one time, because I think someone asked him at dinner, you know, how do you know when to maybe stop preaching something or continue preaching? And he made a statement, and he said, uh, I stop preaching it when it stops moving me. Oof. And he's like, if I continue, if I'm reading over those notes and I'm feeling that, he said, I'll, I'll, I'll still preach it. You know, I'll keep going until it gets to a point where God's moved that on to something else. And he, yeah. man, he talked about some some sermon. You know, it's just so true with preaching, bro. 
young guys, myself, you, I'm sure yourself, everybody, we look at these conference guys and it's just like, man, that's incredible. Yeah. I think his brother Tuttle one time, he said, you know, you guys realize, or maybe brother Bounce, I don't know. He said, you know, you, this, you guys realize this is the best of the best that I've been preaching for the, the whole year at my church. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I'm, yeah. I'm picking every little thought, every seed and putting it into one thing. Like brother Jones, man, at that dinner, he said one time that some sermons, um, it, it took him five years to put together and yeah. I'm sitting here like I oh my goodness you know and we're trying to compare that to what we're doing listen the power God is powerful and he can he can anoint what we preach of course uh, obviously but yeah but there are some things that just you have to go through a period of time to get right and there has to be that suffering to get but another thing I was going to say about that is I think it breaks up the, you know, if you are a preacher that just preaches verbatim and you never flow in the spirit, yeah, it can get a little stale. But I yeah. think there's that time where you have to have that time of just ministering, allowing God to, to flow through you. And people can say, maybe, man, I heard that. You might have seen the same title, but it may not have been the same message. You know, there's right. God can work in in the bounds of that one sermon many different ways because every, right. everybody's different, <laughs> you know. There's a guy that, um, a guy in our hyphen group, he, I didn't ask him to do this, but he'll show up everywhere I, I preach out. Okay. Oh yeah. And he don't, he won't tell me. So I'll just be, I'll be <laughs> on the platform looking at, and there he is. He'll just wave at yeah. me. And I don't know about you, but I'm not like, I don't like exactly like people traveling with me. He, I think it's great. But like, I've had to take people I, I know with me that have heard before. And I just, I don't like feeling like they're gonna be like, oh, we heard it before. And sometimes yeah. I almost snap. Sometimes I have some like, oh, that was that was better than the first time. Like, you know what? Let me slap you, you heathen. Yeah. <laughs> but he always would tell me, and it's very encouraging. And he has a wonderful prayer life. He said, I, I made a joke one time. I was like, hey, I apologize. I'm preaching something you've heard before, but I really feel like God wanted me to preach this. And he said, he said, Mary, I've heard you preach this the last three times that I've, I followed you. And it's been different every time. The word, the yeah. sermon's been the same sermon, but it's it's landed. You, he said, I'm getting something out each time. And that's not to say, like, this is not unique to me. This is not talk. I find that if I take a sermon and I pray about it before, and I talk to God about it as if it's my prayer prompt, mm. if I do the day before I go to preach it, something begins to move that's unique. I feel a different application. I feel that the thought that was now 30 seconds last time is now two minutes this time. And yeah. it just shifts. And... And I think that's a beautiful thing to be able to go, I didn't talk about that that much. And I will say this, it happens in the moment, right? You probably experienced this in the moment. You're like, ooh, I stayed on that longer. But I found that I can figure out where I'm actually going in prayer the day before if yeah. I pray through the sermon and I go, ooh, I feel a, I feel a heaviness on this yeah. thought in a way I didn't last time. Mm -hmm. And that makes it living and breathing a vibrant. Like the word that was written 2,000 years ago, I can read it. And it's still living and breathing a vibrant if I yeah. pray about it, you know? Absolutely. Well, when I first started out, honestly, I was I was typing everything out and I was reading verbatim and I was trying to do it in a way that didn't look like you'd kind of look down for two seconds and come back up and try right. to remember what you're at. <laughs> right. But there came a time where, you know, I'm studying and I'm I'm typing or sometimes I'll write it, but my hand gets tired. But sometimes I'll just be typing and I'm expounding on a thought as if I'm just moving in the spirit. And it just like a light bulb came in my head. I'm like, instead of doing this now and typing it, just do it 
when you're preaching because <laughs> like, yeah. it's it's never going to come out exactly the same because it's inspired of God and you know and if you like we've talked about if you can die enough God is going to move through that sermon in a powerful powerful way and yeah. you know and it's true I mean it Almost, it's a little different, you know. I'm sure you've experienced that. You preach at your home church, and you know they know you. They've heard your voice, you know. In my case, they don't know me as much. I've been here for just the last six years, but but it's almost when you go outside, man, or to another church. There's just a I don't know what it is. It's just like, man, stuff just hits different, or they just man, they're really grasping. There's such a response, and you come home, and it's like, man. But I think if you're preaching for a response. Man, that's a whole nother thing too. Sometimes right. people are just listening and getting getting treated in their heart, you know. There are those sermons where you're standing up for forty five minutes and the preacher's just going in and he's on top of it. But right. then there's sometimes it's always different, you know. There's times where you have to minister and I think expounding on something as well. That's what preaching is. You are inspiring, you are getting someone to move based on a thought that God has given you. Right. I remember one of the first times I uh, when I had moved here, actually, because I would travel back and forth when me and my wife were dating. And I came here and I preached. It was some sort of youth night or it might have been a Sunday, I forget. And I asked Brother Whiting. These are dangerous words. I was like, Brother Whiting, how do you think I did? And I was Ooh. young and I was just, and I was, he was like, yeah. <laughs> you know, he was like, well, let's talk about it. I was like, oh, yeah. goodness. And he picked me apart in love, though. I mean, mm-hmm. but he helped me, though, because he told me, he said, uh, you know, Dawson, you preached about three sermons last night. And I was like, what do you mean? He's like, you had one thought and you used three different examples. He's like, that was one sermon in itself. You could have expounded on that a whole lot more instead of yeah. just staying two inches for each thing. You could have went down a mile on one of them. And I was like, right. oh, okay, that's pretty good. <laughs> so I'm glad I asked it, but at the same time, you know, I'm sure a lot of us, the you know, I'm 18, 19 years old. Your ego is just like, what do you think? You think I did pretty good, you know? Yeah. And he's like, eh, not really. <laughs> and so, uh, but, but I think that's a lot of it too, just learning to expound upon one thought and maybe going a little bit deeper yeah. and allowing God to, to, to open that up and bloom it, you know? Right. And I think you would testify to this to make sure that you get to that point is like pray over it, talk it out to yourself. Yeah. There was a stage very early where I would, it would sound great in my head. And the first time I heard it out loud is when I went up there. And I was like, this doesn't sound as good as it did in my head. And it's like, if if it doesn't really make sense to me, it won't make sense to them. Like, if yeah. if I'm not convinced of it, then how am I going to think they're going to be convinced of it? Yeah, and so, like, sure. you really got to know. I, I I think, maybe it's just me, for every sermon I end up preaching, there's like two or three lessons that I can teach from it. Mm-hmm. Because there's there's so much that I find undergirding that sermon. And at times, like, I'll preach something up, in, up I say upstairs. Our youth room's downstairs. Our yep. main sanctuary's upstairs. I'll preach something on a Sunday, and I'll apologize to my young people after. I'll say, listen, I'm so burdened by this. I have three lessons. Like what mm-hmm. I said to you in five minutes here or ten minutes, there's a 30-minute lesson where I can talk to you deeper about, you know, your heart or free will or, I mean, just stuff mm-hmm. that oftentimes we just, we're so afraid of. It's got to be so recent. But I think, it one, it helps you as a minister to know there's more where that came from. Mm-hmm. Uh and there's a depth there because sometimes you'll feel burden to say something that you prepared, but you didn't prepare to use today mm-hmm. and it'll come out of you. And you're like, where'd that come from? It's like, well, that was, that was a little bit of the water of, or the mm-hmm. line where you said, this is my sermon, but you read that too there. And it changes someone's life because there's more where that came from. 
No, absolutely, man. Yeah, I mean, I love preaching. Um, I I will say though, I much rather enjoy uh, sometimes Bible study, just because, yeah. like you said, I loved how you said that they become people to you. They be yeah. they're not some figment in your imagination that you're praying for, but you're actually getting someone's situation. They begin to talk to you about what they're going through and mm-hmm. and how they were raised and how they were brought up. And it's like, man, and what it does, I think, is it creates a more of a burden in right. your heart. You're saying, man, this is just one family. What? How many more are there in my, I mean, there's only 6,000 people in Russellville, but that's still a lot of people when you think about it, you know, somewhere right. like Louisville. I don't even know the, how many are in Louisville? I have no idea. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's tons. I mean, uh, yeah, over a hundred thousand, I'm sure. So, I mean, you're, you're thinking there's, there's so much, so many needs, you know, and yeah. it comes down to it. Of course, not one person can, can do it all. But when we have a church that is dedicated to, uh, edifying and building and training people to go and, to find people and to love people and especially our young people, you know, I think P seven clubs, bro, are some of the coolest things ever that have come right. to exist. Like when I was younger, I, I just think sometimes and I feel so depressed sometimes. I'm like, man, there was so much that I missed out on. Like, cause I'm, I don't even know if P seven was club was around back then, but man, I, I didn't, I didn't take advantage of the, the opportunities that I had to speak to someone or talk yeah. to someone you know, I went into it like, by God, I'll tell you it's oneness. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you it's Jesus name baptism, but I didn't do it in love. You know, I did it yeah. out of spite and, and, uh, but, but yeah, so I think, man, soul winning, preaching, getting involved in your local church, talking to your pastor, whether it's missions, whether it's preaching, whatever it is, man, those are the core. Those are the core things that, man, if you, if you get those down, you can do about anything and God's going to bless it, you know? Yeah. So. Awesome. Well, I feel like you landed the plane pretty good. I mean, we're, <laughs> we're right at an hour. I feel like we yeah. covered a lot of ground. And sure. um, I mean, I hope everybody out there hears. I think what you and your family are about to do is incredible. Mm-hmm. I know it took a lot of faith. I know we don't have enough time to dissect every yeah. thought, every prayer, sure. and every moment that we that you experienced to, to get to this point. And so we'll all be praying for y'all. Yeah. And we'll, we'll uh, everybody go on their website, support them any way you can. Uh, I'm sure Cypress will be very blessed for y'all coming out there, and the Lord's going to use you in a mighty way. Any any last words? Any goodbye to the the people before we head out? Uh, I appreciate the people, but I appreciate appreciate you, bro. I know this is a lot of work, and so <laughs> shout out to Merritt Griffiths. He's killing it. And Look so, at this man's setup, though. Listen, listen hey. I'm telling you what, my budget need, I'm a, my budget needs to go up. Look at this man's setup. Hey, I'm telling you, we'll what. set you up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, I appreciate you, know, like, you, bro. <laughs> the next episode, like Merritt's in 4K. What's going That's on here? Right. <laughs> I'm a no, PA I appreciate assistant you, bro. everything. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> no, thank you for thank you for having me. It's been a wonderful time it's awesome this is just what we would talk about at olive garden or something so exactly is, just left breadsticks <laughs> that's right exactly. maybe that's a good thing maybe bad i don't know but yeah yeah everybody thank you for joining us today we'll see you when we see you